Welcome to the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and it is a great day to talk about sports. The Columbus Blue Jackets sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm going to lead off with that. It's an incredible feat. The best team in hockey's regular season is out. We're going to talk to Tyler Tesson about the hockey playoffs and Tiger Woods winning the Masters in a little bit. First up, Tom Weisenbach, my buddy. He's heading back to Philly. We're going to talk some NBA playoffs before he makes his journey back to the East Coast. We talk a little NFL as well at the end, but a good discussion with Tom Weisenbach. First, Tyler Tesson to follow. It is the Money Mitch Effect, and it starts right now. All right, Money Mitch Effect, Tom Weisenbach in person. The last time, getting ready to getting ready to make that move. But thanks for joining the show, Tom. Good to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. You caught me on the way on the way to the East Coast. I'm gonna take a look at all the sports and, and I'll report back to you as needed. As an East Coaster, we got to work on that time zone thing. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how we can best utilize that. But East Coast, West Coast, we'll have it all. You just got to wake up at 5 a.m. That's all. Uh, yeah, I know. I don't know. We'll, or you have to stay up till two. Maybe during the, <laughs> maybe during the late tennis matches, we'll, we'll slack. Maybe, each other. maybe uh, a lot to talk about though today. Kind of wanted to just riff about a couple of different topics. Wanted to start with the NBA playoffs because I know that's where you got your your attention right now. And start with the Sixers one one with Brooklyn. Interesting. Game one was not pretty. Game two in the second half was about as good as it could have gone. Do you have a read on this series yet? I know it's 1-1 split. Brooklyn got what they needed to do the second half of game two. It seemed like the Sixers were back to playing with what they thought was the intensity they'd have in the playoffs. What's your read on the series so far? Uh, so the Sixers found themselves in the same situation last year. Now they flipped the, the, home, field, uh, the home advantage where they won game one against the Heat and then they lost game two at home. Mm-hmm. And then they, they went, won the rest of the games and won in five. So that in mind, I'm not as worried as I would be otherwise. Now, it took Brett Brown losing his ab- losing his S all over the place in the locker room, in the at, locker halftime. room at halftime for them to come out and play the the basketball that they're capable of. It took <laughs> the fans to boo Ben Simmons for Ben Simmons to realize that he should go to the hole often because if he goes to the hole, it opens everything up. That being said, the Nets are also dealing with some injuries and I think in a 7-game series the Sixers talent will outmatched them but it may take seven when it was you know projected to, to, to make it five for all Philly fans I think well yeah and you mentioned the the Nets having some injuries I think another thing that's helping them though is having Levert back we weren't sure what we were going to get from him he's not starting but he's somebody that can give them something he didn't game one off the bench I, but I, they need three big men to be able to yeah. handle the fouls that Embiid's going to swallow up. And Jared Dudley was really an anchor in their small rotation that was really killing the Sixers in game one. And him not being there was yeah. a huge void, for, and it, they lost a lot of intensity from it's that. It's crazy. I can't believe he's still a main factor in the NBA playoffs. Oh, my but. gosh. He looks like my uncle at the Y, but you know he's still, still humming along. And those guys have a lot of energy, and they have a lot of fun. The Sixers weren't having any fun in game one. But Ben Ben was absolutely disappeared, and you can he he can't do that in order for the team to have success. All right, I, I wanted to bring up Ben Simmons, and I'm glad you, you you brought up the fans booing him to get to his attention. Um, unbelievable talent. I think Philly's been obviously frustrated with him. Is that safe to say? With how his year's been, I think it's the past month of basketball that we've seen, and it's not necessarily his play, but it's his selective aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. It's 
there are games when Kendall's in the in the stands and he'll post up in okay. the first five minutes. <laughs> no, legitimately, yeah. like when he when she's there, he ends up in the paint a lot more than he is when she's not there. And when he's aggressive, it's no secret that when Kendall's in the arena, that they win more games than they lose. <laughs> now, I'm not going to blame all of it on that. No, let's <laughs> say uh, there's there's a history there. There is, and yeah. I don't think a jump shot is necessary, but. There's a point where you can't stop and do the, uh, the dribble handoff at the at the elbow when there's a certain point when you have to attack the rim. And if I think him maybe seeing Giannis highlights of his playoffs, his game one may have helped Ben in game two assert himself and be more aggressive on all ends of the floor. He was not offensively uh-huh. uh, adept in game one, but he was also getting beat for rebounds. He wasn't boxing yeah, out. Like you ha- if, you're, if, you're, if your game's struggling on one end of the court, you have to pick it up in the other. And aspect. you can't disappear when you're that prominent in the offense and, and on the team in general. You just can't have stretches where it's almost like no one notices you're out there. That's what we've seen. And the comment, though, but the comment about being upset that the fans boo him. Sick burn, bro. I just... <laughs> he thought it was like, ooh. No, like, I, I get... Look, I get that athletes, especially young athletes, when they're heated, when they're frustrated, they say dumb things. It was the guy in the Dodgers last year. I think it was last year. Uh, Hernandez said something about the fans similar to that. And you know what happened? He had an epiphany or someone got to him and he apologized the next day. He said, hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I, I just, I don't know if it's an attitude thing with Simmons or not. And maybe it is him selectively. There are times when he's locked in. There's times when he's focused. There's times when, when he's not. I know that Maybe the fact that Embiid is the city's favorite son can wear might, be, on you. might be wearing on him. The thing about it is that they couldn't be more opposite. That Embiid just wants to play, just wants to destroy everyone in front of him. And, you know, I, I think that part of Simmons's issue might be, and I don't want to say the jump shot is, is a huge issue, but, you know, he's not even looking to take deep shots. And I think that the well, fact Boban that... Boban has a better jumper than him. And the, he's the fact for that they're giving... 15 to 18 feet. I mean, it is... I can't remember a player as good all around, with the exception of shooting, that is basically treated like Eric Snow out there where they're going to give him any longer Needed a shot. relay man to hit a three is my fa- favorite quote about Eric Snow. That I mean, we, we, It only got worse after Philly, too, when he was on those Cleveland teams. It was rough. But I did, I did like Jimmy Butler starting to say, look, guys, we got to snap out of this. And I know there's maybe too much alpha in him at times, but I'd like to – like, this is your chance – We've all been critical of some of the issues of his past. This is your chance to lead. Well, game one, adversity. game one, he scores 36 points, has zero assists. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of chatter on, on Sports Talk Radio locally in Philly that said that they're glad he didn't have any assists. You know, we've been waiting for Jimmy Butler to be this much of an alpha and, and are glad that he kind of took that role at times, and, and kept yeah. you in the game. In that game time, one. I think it was fair. I, I wouldn't say all the time he should play like that, but when Simmons isn't showing up, Harris is inconsistent, Reddick didn't hit anything, I think then you need Butler to just say, all right, screw it. I'm gonna, people not yeah. familiar with his game in Minnesota or Chicago are expecting the fourth quarter Jimmy Butler in all three quarters because he's capable of that. But And that's just the Philly mentality, like where we want you to give 100% until you're out of it. And that's like Allen Iverson spoils you with that. But you see how that burns out mm-hmm. quickly. Now, I also think in game one, uh, the early start could have a factor in game one focus, as well as the Joel Embiid in, in injury, which you don't bizarre. know if he's going to play. And a lot of the times those yeah. players are kind of, if he plays, he plays so well most of the time that... They, I guess they expected that, and they were 
not prepared for his level of fatigue or lack of in shapeness. I've never been the I've never, yeah. The rotation That's got true. absolutely no. thrown off by That's foul trouble, true. and the depth was exposed. I've never. I guess I shouldn't say I've never been the biggest Brown Brown fan from what I've seen in the playoffs. I didn't really get the rotation plan with Embiid. I know he might have been banged up, but he starts a little bit. They go right to right to the bench. It didn't look like I don't know what the injury situation was. It looks like he's going to be playing fine or at least close to 100% hopefully going forward. But it didn't really look like it was helping a player that might be banged up with some of the rotations that he had. Uh, yeah, I don't think he should have even trotted out there for the fourth quarter to start the fourth quarter. I mean, yeah, I, that was yesterday. shocking too. Uh, but no, I mean, I think that this is an opportunity. Atkinson's got the Nets in a position. They are a team like some of the other teams in the playoffs that are some of their parts. They don't have the star power, but they trust that they have enough playmakers and enough depth to stay close. And then when you're in a close playoff game, things happen. Guys get tight. People try to do too much. And I think that's what the Nets are trying to do is just keep it within reach going forward. And we'll see if uh, the Sixers, as you mentioned, some of their depth might not be there, but they still have some players they can turn to. R5 is going to be better than their five as long as R5 is on the floor. So J.J. Redick getting 3,000 fouling out of game one affects the depth. I can't remember. Has he fouled out recently? I actually looked that up because I tweeted out that I don't think he had five fouls all season. I looked up the entire season. He had five fouls maybe three times and fouled out of one game during the regular season. And I think, and it was against the Celtics. So the Celtics was, had that strategy. And I think that's what the Nets um, are employing with the perimeter physicality that he doesn't fight through efficiently enough. Some of those picks and then he can get in foul trouble that way. Now, most of the foul trouble in game one was on the perimeter with the pick and roll because that was a big problem Mm -hmm. in the, the matchups and, in the season on a whole was to defend the pick and roll. So Mike Scott had three fouls early as well. And all of a sudden Jonah Bolden comes in in the fourth quarter to pick up offense and a shooter like that isn't going right. to just all of a sudden be in rhythm when he comes in the game in the fourth quarter. Well, so that, yeah, for, for that, I would blame Brett Brown heavily <laughs> for game one. I'm not a fire Brett Brown guy, no. but I was very disappointed with his lack of focus his, his lack of ability to get the team focused and the Amir Johnson cell phone gate was the epitome of yeah, that I, lack of focus. I don't want I mean, we don't know what's going on in his life, but you can't have a phone on the bench. I mean, that's just basic. And, and yes, a coach should probably be the one. I thought it was odd that Elton Brand had to handle that. Like, that's the coach's job. Like, we were going to handle it internally. The fact that it gets up to the GM to kind of address it. But I'm, I'm prepping the GM for... saw it on TV and decided... That he had to be yeah. tapped on the shoulder and brought to the to the locker room. I'm prepping for a long series. I think you are also. I think we both expect the Sixers to win, but could be a little dicey. I Last still thing think on six this, is probably yeah. more likely than seven. Yeah, no, I mean but, I, six is a long series, though. I mean anything anything longer than five, I think counts as long. Last thing on this, though, I mean, what's an acceptable outcome this year? Conference final, like that's the goal you have to hit, or like if they play Toronto next round, lose. And it's competitive. The main topic of conversation is that exact question. What will it take for Brett Brown to keep his job Mm. is is more the slant on this conversation. And acceptable outcome, obviously, is a championship. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree, yeah. (laughs) Especially if the Warriors are as banged up as they appear to be currently. Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't count on that, how you match up with those Western Conference teams, but that's way ahead Uh of of where we're at currently. Now, the matchup with with the Bucks is... I would say more favorable than it would be the Raptors. 
Mm. But the Raptors also tend to crumble in the playoffs, and nobody has proven itself. That's no, the no thing. No team has I mean, proven themselves in this yeah. field aside from the Celtics. And so, right? No, you're right there. I just, I don't. I'd like it, to see them in the Eastern Conference Finals by I, one. I hear what you're saying about the overall matchups: Raptors versus Bucks. But Raptors mental issues. Bucks have Giannis. Like that. It's and gonna, Celtics are straight up in the head of the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, that's also true. I just think it's – I want to see what, if it is Raptors and Sixers, which we think it still will be, what kind of matchups we get and what kind of series we get. If that's a classic and the Sixers just fall short, I don't think it's a full-on disappointment. But For the second see, round, yeah. Yeah, I want to see how that goes. That Raptors team, though, I mean, I don't – We're getting a break with travel, though, as far as the injury to Embiid, where they only have to go an hour and a half up, up to Brooklyn on a bus as opposed to flying to Orlando or – to Toronto I, in the I, first round. I think that has something to do with it. Well, I hear you on with that. With the knee inflammation. I hear you on that, but the, <laughs> they're flying first class. Like, it's, you know, it's not it's not flying coach back in the 60s with Bill Russell. But, I mean, it is true. I mean, I guess just getting getting downtime on just the Just the travel. air pressure on an injury will, will inflame it. Orlando and Toronto, that series, Orlando winning game one, Toronto's game one, woes continue. That's two for 14, right? Or two of 12? The one Incredible. insane number, and with half the roster turned over. But if you're asking me what's sustainable and what's not, like in the course of a seven-game series, I personally would like to see the first round go back to best of five for an excitement value. But in the course of a seven-game series, what's sustainable, what's not to beat a team four times in seven? I don't think Orlando outscoring the point guards 35 to nothing. DJ Augustine <laughs> leading the way. I know Lowry was awful, couldn't have played worse. I can't think that continues much more. I know Toronto has their issues, but I just think Orlando got heat checks from everybody that they could possibly get. I can't see that happening much more, if ever again. Michael Carter-Williams put it later. Yeah, exactly, it on rookie the of the year, Michael Carter-Williams. Who would have thought? He has playoff experience, speaking of, uh, I think that was the last time that the Sixers won Is that the a heat? playoff game before last year. Played was, the Heat and then the five? Well, yeah. Listen, did you read any? Uh, there's a Ringer article by John Gonzalez about the process and how players of the past of the process. So the last team that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, or maybe uh, it was a game away because they lost to the Celtics, of course, in, in Game Seven in 2009. 2000. Or, no, wasn't it, it was 12. It was 11 because you guys beat the Bulls without yes, Derrick Rose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's the the year. And on this team was. Drew Holiday, Evan Turner, Thaddeus Young, Andre Iguodala, and uh, Nick Nikola Vucevic was a rookie that year. Wow! And wow! And so they they were kind of having revisionist history as to if that team may have moved on together, just seeing how their those careers panned out. Oh, and Lou Williams was on the team as well. Oh, that guy too. I, it, it's interesting. I mean, that was very good fortune. I'm, don't want to wish injury on anyone, but Rose goes down his MVP, you know, year and the year after his MVP year, and it was just a disaster. But no, I think that's it's so the, a fascinating the, thing. That's the to argument say. for the non-process people. Put a team together of good players, and maybe you're better than you think, and you can. Yeah, it, it's a different climate now with free. All agency. those guys are in the playoffs right now. They are. That was a good roster. Doug Collins, the coach of that team. 
I believe yeah, wow. Doug Collins was the coach there. Well, I don't want to spend too much time on the Raptors because I think they're going to bounce back and win the series. I, say, I mean, the Bucks Pistons should not even be playing at this point. If Blake Griffin's not in there, they should just yeah, like, what's concede the and not give everybody their money back and, and just kind of do the, uh, mat, the, the simulation, the 2K I, simulation. I kind of feel the same way with uh, Celtics Pacers without Oladipo. If they had Oladipo, they could w- absolutely win that series. I think that's less It's the situation could, because... The, the Pacers still play really good defense. It's a bad matchup for them when you don't have a, a scorer because Boston, with Brad Stevens, through all the chaos, through all the Kyrie flipping out, the roster rotation issues, they can still D up. And any roster with Kyrie on, it's going to probably be 10 points better with a roster without a scorer. And you, yeah, and you need a, and really, you need a guard, a point guard, a true point guard, or someone like a Ben Simmons type to keep Kyrie honest on the other end of the floor. And Darren Collison's not really going to do that. Eight points in the third. Eight points in the third quarter. I mean, they have to go to Bogdanovich for their key offensive plays, and friend, I just friend of mine was uh, hoping to catch the fourth quarter of that game, seeing that the score was what the score was when the clock hit zero. But he then quickly was <laughs> <laughs> upset when he saw that the the word final came up on the scoreboard because it was eighty four to seventy four. Like a throwback. Assuming that that was the end of the third quarter. It's like was it two thousand three? Like what's going on there? I mean that that was what that. Hope was. you didn't bet the over. No, that'd be brutal. Well, both of those teams play really good defense. I'd expect a lot of the same from that. I don't think a lot of those games are going to go over hundred points. It's a Brad Stevens time. Butler special, and and no one is better, maybe pros or college, than just grinding out an ugly victory in the state of Indiana. Yeah, I mean, it's true. He's going to love it there. All right, uh, Money Mitch Effect, Tom Weisenbach. I want to talk about the West Western Conference playoffs. What the Clippers did last night, I I, <laughs> I can't believe that it actually happened. A 31-point second-half comeback. You're getting a Golden State team that I don't really – I don't want to say really, really care, but I don't really mind and, and monitor all the injuries or, or banged-upness that they have. Mentally, they're fatigued. I think everybody can see it. And I think that's where they can be very vulnerable. The Clippers, another some of their parts team with just grinders and players that are – happy to be getting the opportunity to play in a big game just went out and took it from in that second half it was probably the most gritty performance the entire NBA season gritty had to it's a Flyers it's a <laughs> it's a Philadelphia theme well that's show. like if anybody says process yeah. you have to you have to point it out okay. but um yeah you know what I, I actually checked the score on that and I saw at halftime is when I checked the score and it was a 25 point Warriors lead so mm-hmm. I didn't even look I, I continued to watch a rerun of the Phillies game instead and so I was absolutely flabbergasted when uh, a friend of mine came over and goes, you know, the Clippers won that game. I said, what? There's no way. <laughs> you know who their two best players were. So I didn't were. see how it happened. You know who their two best players were. In, In the Clippers, Clippers down the stretch. Now, I'll give you a hint. Pat they Beth. both wore, no, they both wore, he played well, but they both wore Sixers jerseys. Lou. And? The other guy who wore, Shaman. That's yeah, right. Shaman's getting a lot of love on Twitter. Yeah, man, and he was good. the he- the back page I think of the of the time. He's good. He's gonna get better. And that yeah, was, that's uh, that's a key thing with this trade is is with the de- lack of depth that if you need a shooter, but mm-hmm. at the same time in the NBA, you can, well, he's you can find a shooter I mean, like you can find a running back in the NFL. The, all trade risks are that when you trade someone young, you're not getting the finished product. You're not giving up the finished product. So he's getting better, and he played very well down the stretch. Hit some big shots. Lou was unguardable. He's, I mean, he's figured out how to score against any defense. Lou and Landry. So, I, I, losing Boogie, I don't want to say hurt 
too much because I, it might help them because they know how to play together. I don't know. I would. Who's this their backup center happen, now? Though. Bogut came back, and so that way they got uh, what's his name. The Looney plays, I think, a lot True. of the center minutes. I, I would say also that this was going to happen. Maybe, maybe not as drastic as this. They were going to lose a game in the playoffs that they should have won, based on how they had played this season and the focus not being there. And and it is mentally draining to try to threepeat three year. Was it now going to be maybe four titles in five years if they win this year? All the looming stuff in the off season. I would say it might be a blessing in disguise for the very reason that it happened against a team that they should still be fine to just just bear down and do better against. If this happened next round against a team like the Rockets, who I think have a have a puncher's chance to beat them, it'd be a worst case scenario. And so that's I, the key. You know, I think it might not be a bad thing. That's the key metric too that that people were worried about with seeding and and. If Rockets, the Rockets screwed the Rockets, their chance completely. No, but here's the deal. Here's the, the alternate Play theory. I, I watched the jump yeah, okay. uh, fairly religiously, and, and yeah. Amin Al-Hassan has this hot take, and it actually changed Richard Jefferson's mind on the spot. And so maybe yeah. I can, I maybe. can change your maybe. mind. Well, everybody knows that the Rockets don't stay healthy during the playoffs. And okay. so maybe they give the, they have the best shot at beating the Warriors in an earlier round. Before Chris Paul gets guarantee hurt. the health of Chris Paul and James Harden. Okay. And... Here's my Give counter them a to better that, chance at winning, and maybe Steph's not as healthy this time. Like you can't let them get mm-hmm. healthy while you're deteriorating. Right, but and that's a good point. But my counter would be the Warriors. The year that they lost to Cleveland, Curry gets worn down as that playoffs go on. So it's better to maybe catch him later in the playoffs when he's got more miles on him. But the bigger thing is you just don't know. Like you don't know how healthy somebody's going to be. Knights, anything could happen. Chris Paul's injury last year Knights was in Game Five, the one they beat the Warriors in, and he just pulls his hamstring at the end of a game. Just no contact, hurts it, and that's it. So, I, yeah, they're going to get their shot. It looks like they're going to beat the Jazz. Um, although I, <laughs> Utah is like a cat with nine lives because every time everyone counts them out, they're able to just come back and and make things interesting. It's just from my vantage point, the Rockets really blew an opportunity to get as high as the two seed. And if you look at the other side of the Western Conference playoffs, any one of those four teams could come out and make the conference final. It wouldn't really surprise anyone, including the Spurs. Spurs are going to beat the Nuggets. Yeah. You think that's so? That's what I was going to say. You think they're going to beat them? I think wow. that, was, that was the best underdog bet, I think, of the series prices out there so, for, yeah, for gambling. Here's, sake, just because of history and well, the lack the of experience. Thunder favorites? The Thunder favorite in that series over the Blazers was basically like a pick em. Oh, I'm not sure. I, I honestly didn't even check. I just based on the seeding yeah, itself, course, yeah. it seemed like you know, as far as like an NCAA tournament look at it. Pop steals game one, and you know, I mean, that's basically went down to because if you ask most casual basketball fans, DeRozan and Aldridge, who else is on the Spurs? Name some players. They might know Patty Mills, but after that, well, the guys that came from the Raptors. <laughs> you know, what's fascinating though about that is I think the Nuggets. We've had this question all year. The Nuggets have been sneaky good. They've been a feel-good team. Oh, their depth is amazing. They do not have that one guy in the backcourt. Now, they have Jokic, who might be you know, second, first or second team All-NBA. Well, Murray's supposed to be that guy. That's the thing, and he's maybe not there. He had the, sh- the shot at the end of the game. Do you think they, they traded Moutier too soon? I think you don't know until you know, right? Like It sounds like a cop-out, but Murray has the potential to be and the no guy. no Plumlee's going to be an X factor. I don't care how much depth you have. Look at everybody else in the playoffs. I mean, I guess, you know, even the Sixers now with getting Jimmy Butler to address what need, having a guy to take the last shot. Blowing countless fourth quarter leads, they needed a guy like that. (laughs) The Spurs can go to both DeRozan or Aldridge in the clutch, and they have the coach that can develop things. 
you know, Dame in Portland, Russ and, and Paul George in Oklahoma City. There's just not that guy on Denver. So you get into the game of are you just going to be – you can't – and then that's the other thing too. We watch a lot of this basketball, and in the playoffs, it's amazing how some of these new teams realize that it just tightens up. Like you can't run. It's a lot of half-court set. I just don't know if Denver's quite ready yet. Yeah. Good, good analysis there, Mitch. Uh, but you're going to go seven. I, I honestly didn't watch the game, so I can't really comment I just, on that. I, I d- I'm going to still say Denver wins. I think it goes six or seven. Though. It's going to be fascinating. I, uh, I can't wait to see. That's the one series that I think is going to have that level of uncertainty and chaos because Denver is a two seed, not really proven. And, and Portland and, and Portland and the Thunder are going to be good, too, because you have Nurkic out. Cantor going against his former former squad. They need him, and, and he's been performing. Like that's another. It's the opposite of the Indiana issue, where their star guard is gone. But now the uh, Portland, the shoes on the other foot, where the curse of the big man of Portland continues to rear its ugly head. And we'll see how far that they can go with Ennis Cantor. I feel like PG thirteen might be a little hurt. Oh, he little. Look. I mean, <laughs> they said he's adding a new strip of uh, shoulder tape every every game. He looks like a freaking spider. It's really the same story with Oklahoma City. When they try to close out games and teams just completely collapse on Russ, if Paul George isn't healthy, this is why they have him have him there. So I liked Oklahoma City before the series started, with the caveat being you need Paul George to be healthy and, and, and show up in the playoffs. He didn't last year. This year the injury might not be very fair. If you don't have him... I know, I know Portland's a little short It's less about the injury and more about his confidence with the injury. And if he's still jacking up three-point shots at will, then the shoulder can't be bothering him that much. Right. I, I'm sure it is, and just as much as the, the knee's bothering Embiid, but he's still running up and down the court. Now, they're professionals, and they're going to play because this is what their their lives are, but Portland, that was affect a, their effective. That was a big mental block that they, I think, Knocked down. They hadn't really won. They got swept last year in the playoffs to get that first game. Well, that has. I was reading, uh, watching a, a profile on CJ and Damian, and 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 it's it had a lot of the Virginia Cavaliers situation where they were embarrassed in the in the NCAA tournament the year before. Mm-hmm. It really they got dominated last really year. Really refocused them in order to make the run that they made this year all the way to the national championship. And I'm not saying that Portland's going to win the NBA finals, <laughs> no. but. Could get to the I, conference not final. Get swept. They could get to the. I mean, that that's reasonable too. It's a wide open race on that side. Well, this was fun talking about the NBA playoffs, Tom. Before I let you go, I got to ask you a few other things. And, and number one being, this is probably the earliest time in a while you've actually focused on baseball with yeah, the I'd Bryce Harper so. factor. I mean, I, they we, surprised last year. The Phillies did, but they came down the stretch well. Rice was amazing, obviously. Um, but you know what? I, you know what I think though about the Harper thing and it's more it made me maybe really question and, and kind of examine the Philly sports scene because I think they're the one franchise I understand obviously the Flyers are hockey and, and as a hockey fan it's kind of a distinct fan base and the Sixers have been growing and the, the Flyers got a standing ovation for not in their last <laughs> game for not making the playoffs so Flyers fans are probably the softest fan group of the Philadelphia fans it yeah and that's a known fact it's it's a group of very fa- passionate fans, but the Phillies are the one that kind of I think have gotten overlooked a bit because there are a lot of really diehard Philly fans out there that have just been waiting for something to draw them back in, get the buzz going. 
we've broken down his contract. I don't want to get into that, but it is is a little something to have a guy like him in your lineup. I know he's going to be there for the rest of his career. Yes, that's good too. A lot of young pitching, nucleus of pitching. Now the the division as a whole is is stacked right now. It is. And they're all kind of except for the Marlins, but everybody up. else is. Uh, well, yeah. got, if if you have three good teams, you need to have the one bad team that they all get wins off of. But um, I think overlooked as well this season would be the addition to the other All Stars: uh, Andrew McCutcheon, Gene Segura, JT Realmuto. Um, a lot of, starting yeah. pitching is what's going to be the issue right now, and early on that, and the the back end of the bullpen, they need a closer or a defined role for that closer, and that's going to dictate success later in life. Now, Bryce Harper hasn't won anything yet in his career. Fair. And so Fair. there's some sort of uh, wait till October type of bit, and so that's why uh, Brenna should be here to to discuss the national side of things <laughs> because uh, basically she goes. Wait till he has that, you know, first slump, and see how you guys love him then. I, yeah, I it would also just say it's baseball. He sucked in the playoffs for sure, but there's nine people in the lineup. There's all these pitching. And Michael so. Franco started off the year as hot as ever, and they were talking MVP for the eight hole hitter. <laughs> like, you gotta love it. You gotta love you got, it. That's two weeks into the major league it's baseball tough, season. It's tough with hockey and basketball playoffs, and and you know to to really focus throughout, but. You want to just keep tabs on it for sure, and you want to make sure that they're within striking distance in a stacked division. Just keep winning series, and then it'll, everything will take care of itself in the summer. I'm just I'm, I'm that way with the Indians too, because I feel like it's almost like a lame duck season with the the division they've won the last couple of years seems firmly theirs again. But then you start to think, okay, we're competing with the Astros, the Yankees, the Red Sox. I know they've struggled out of the gate, but there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to beat them in a playoff series. And that's just as defeatist attitude that we can <laughs> gather with the NBA. As, well, the Warriors <laughs> like, are going to win, so we want to just get to the Eastern Conference You're like, finals. yeah, the Celtics have our number. Yeah, I, I get it. it. It's And so if you go into a series going, oh, well, I don't like any moral victories, really. And, it's, and it, 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 I would it, say 162-game season, there's enough time to change my mind. Like, you start out at this point, maybe there's moves that can be made. Maybe they can round into form. But you start. I start low and then try to just get you know ramp it up, ramped up, and, and really change throughout the course. And of the, the one game wild card is an issue, or is a uh, is a wild card for <laughs> for lack of a better term. And then the shorter series that you alluded to, you wanting to kind of go back to in the NBA, maybe make it more exciting in the first round of the the Major League Baseball playoffs. And it's been a while since I have been this excited about baseball. That's for sure. I definitely. Um, have watched my share of games when when they were in the thick of it until they col- absolutely collapsed in August and October or yeah August of last year and the Phillies in general. Um, but wait. you want that like you were talking before we started. You want that wave of Phillies into playoffs into football season. It's just synergy all the way around. Oh, I mean if if the yeah. <laughs> Take it back, even take the Sixers, take you to June, Sixers. then the Phillies pick it up and take you to October, and that takes us to the fourth week of the uh, NFL season. <laughs> Two out of three. Let's, let's that would be gorgeous. Out. Two out of three of those things can All right, happen. Find May. We can go into the the heat of the <laughs> yeah of May, the baseball season. By May, you're ready to go. Well, last thing before I let you go, I did want to touch on football, and the one thing I wanted your opinion on was: Do you think, or can you remember, a teammate? acting as poorly as Antonio Brown's been acting. Because <laughs> that guy, like, it almost makes me feel like the Steelers might be better than I think because losing him might actually be a blessing in disguise. I don't think you're enjoying this saga enough. 
I, I'm enjoying it, but <laughs> I I wish he was still on the Steelers for this. That's oh, all. Oh shit! Yeah, I see, like, I see. I see. I see your point. He's on another team now, and if anything, it's gonna like ruin that team more than the Steelers. I just Ricky Waters did say for who for what one time about not sacrificing his body in a in a big game. So that's yeah. a teammate that maybe not putting himself on the line. But you know, I, like, I always bring it back to a Philly sports your thing. Se- yeah, your center fielder that ran the wall was just uh, a Rowan, selfish. No, was Aaron Rowan who yeah broke his nose? And, yeah, but T- I mean, To was just as selfish by holding out because he wanted more money after he played on a broken leg in the Super Bowl. Some a lot of these wide receivers know their value and and maybe. That that selfish attitude that may, is what made them as great as they are. But on the other end, you're also very very mature, and you should probably figure it and figure move it on. Out. Like you're, you won, you won. You're on the Raiders. You got a new deal. You're gone. It's yeah. over. I just yeah. I'm, Make I'm, sure Mayock gets the right guys <laughs> in there. I'm rooting for him, just you know, because he seemed like a nice guy and worked pretty pretty hard on his craft. But it's going to be a tough situation. I am more pumped than ever for the Brown season. We'll see what happens. Do you say the same for, for the post Foles era? Are we ready to just rock and roll in Philly? Yeah, we're ready for, for the for the drama free QB with hopefully Wentz's health helps out. I I love the Jordan Howard edition. I think that's that's gonna be a really good stabilizing force to, yeah. to mix in with, with some scat back and Corey Clement and different different guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield with, with Jordan Howard who is really looking for that lead back role the Bears wanted to use him in that and he didn't really get as I think yeah, they might have was cut, a lot more efficient than they might have cut him if they couldn't find a trade partner like they were just looking to go a different direction and for I think that's what back. took so yeah. long in making the deal is to to see if they could actually get something for him and well, it, he said it himself that he, he, he knew for months that it was probably going to be the Eagles we get the draft next week and I'm just ready for the musical chairs at the top with the Kyler Murray ghost just going all over the place and Arizona on the verge of going quarterback in back-to-back drafts. I don't know. It seems like that's what they're going to do or they could be, it could be a smoke screen. They could be looking to make a trade, but all I know is they hired Cliff Kingsbury who may or may not have the credentials and, and be good at this, but he wants to go down. Chip this Kelly? It's <laughs> a good comparison. They hired Chip Kelly? Here's, here's all I know. He wants to go down. I respect this. He's either going to make it or not make it based on a large part about quarterback play. So he just wants to go down with the ship of Kyler Murray. He believes in them. I respect that. Like, he doesn't want somebody he inherited to tie his wagon to. If he really believes, we've had this talk before. You think it's Big 12 guy taking the Big 12 guy? I think he just believes in Kyler Murray's ability to succeed at the next level, and he doesn't care what the regime before him did. Two of the shortest, most mobile quarterbacks in the same division. Russell Wilson, I mean, he did get paid. We should we should always touch on that. I, I think it's just going to keep – he'll be the highest paid quarterback in the league until Mahomes signs his deal. Right, and it's just more musical chairs. What is it, four for 140? So he got – yeah, I think it was four for 140. So what's that, like 38 a year? 30, something like that. 35. I mean, 35 million a year. Jesus, that is uh, that's crazy. But I, I think he's worth it. I think he covers up a lot of their weaknesses. I could have played baseball and got that Bryce Harper contract, but not many big guys get that contract. So good for him to get as much as he's worth. Well, that's the whole Kyler Murray thing, right? Like, yeah, if you're that good, you can get baseball money. But right, and but the majority there's more people playing the sport at a professional level and that don't get that much money. 
but that's yeah. the reason why so many people that are good right. get that. Yeah, about first that. round NFL pick, especially quarterback, you're getting like twenty million dollar contract right out the gate. Yeah, it's already squad in the, player, you're getting six figures. Yeah. I don't think you're getting that at, at yeah. the minor league level. And you're also not riding buses <laughs> to, to Birmingham or wherever. All right, Tom. You could play in the defunct <laughs> AAF. Could. I know. Yeah, I I do want to end on one last thing. I want to get your thought on this. I think the XFL actually does have a chance because they're not going to have age limits. So I think they're going to try to just pull the freshmen, sophomores, and say, hey, come over here, sign your endorsement money, and just play in our league. That's so scary. Isn't but it? you know what? I, I actually kind of believe in that system more than I would college athletics. And they have a, and, they have a the, Vince the, McMahon TV deal. They're yeah. not going to need funding. I just think the facade of student-athlete has gotten way too far at this point, and that would be the only way to – because the NCAA is never going to change their ways and actually no. pay these players what they're worth. Or, I don't – I'm, I'm in the middle. The, I mean, I guess my, my whole contrarian take on that is make money off your likeness. I, I wouldn't set up a, a pay-for-play system within the organization, but if, you're, if you can make money off your likeness, off your name, off autographs, off jerseys you sign, absolutely. That should be the first step in all this. Doesn't seem like that's going to happen. I just think the XFL has a chance, and I think the AAF proved if anything there's a demand for football. They outrated the NBA that first weekend. I mean, if you can have something, but in the, the problem is that it wasn't sustainable. Yeah, and I frankly don't think it was advertised well enough. No, and I think it kind of came out of nowhere, and people were confused as to what it was, and just mm-hmm. are kind of lukewarm on football. I think as a on a whole on the on the the other. Oversaturation is a thing. I know we're in the, the market of niche markets really succeeding these days because there's so much fraying in the media in general. And so, like, the people that would be watching the NFL Network on Saturday are always going to be watching the NFL Network on Saturday. But more people are moving from watching the NFL Network on Saturday for this AAF than skewing over to Netflix and binge watching show A or going to Hulu and watching show B or Prime and watching show C. And so just sports audiences as a whole, I think, are declining because of the amount of on-demand not needing to sit in front of a television at a certain time to watch an event, and they can make their own schedules that way. True. I, I wouldn't count out Vince McMahon and that, that audience, that, that bankroll that he would bring. And, yeah, and I puts, mean, and puts, I'm becoming a very fast fan of the WWE just from, like, having to watch it with my current job. And, and, and just through watching it on episode, it's like a soap opera for, for a male audience. And the production value is, is second to none, I it's think. It's moving to Fox as well soon. That's the other thing. They could have that. And, and they're putting football people. The biggest thing he learned is to make this more football-oriented and not WWE-driven. He's putting guys like Oliver Luck and, and some of the coaches. Bob Stoops is working with them. He, I think this has a chance, but we'll see. I just, I'd like there needs to be a development system. Like we need a way to figure this out. But all right, yeah, Tom, Tom, this was a pleasure. You will still be a correspondent on this show. This isn't the last time, but you know we'll be we'll be testing the Skype lines for sure. But thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, huge thanks to Tom Weisenbach for coming on today's show. Uh, obviously, best of luck to him. Brenda Haven, they're both heading back to the East Coast. It was always a blast to talk to them. But as I said, we'll be Skyping with them in the in the future. So it won't be the last time they're on this show. Certainly not. But always good and always interesting to see the NBA playoffs. And yeah, the Raptors bounce right back. As we said, the Spurs and Nuggets was a tight game. The Spurs almost took two in Denver, but Jamal Murray did wake up. Jokic was good as well. 
we'll see what happens in the NBA playoffs. Now we're going to switch gears, talk to Tyler Tesson. Calling in from St. Louis, we talk about Tiger Woods winning the Masters, his fifth green jacket, what that means for his legacy, how he was able to come back, if this is a new and improved Tiger. And we also talk about the NHL playoffs. We recorded in the third period, or as the third period was starting, of Columbus and the Islanders games, which they both won, which they both swept. So we talk a little bit about the hockey playoffs, as well as Tyler Tesson now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect to talk a little golf, a little Masters, Tiger Woods action, and some hockey playoffs. My good buddy, Tyler Tesson. Tyler, uh, thank you for joining the show. And it's a, it's a time when I don't think we thought we'd be talking after Tiger Woods' fifth Masters and 15th major, but here we are somehow. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mitch. It's pretty uh pretty incredible weekend. I think everyone that's a sports fan was pretty much just glued to their TV on Sunday. I don't know about you, but as someone that follows golf and has watched a lot of it, I've never seen anything like what transpired at Augusta in terms of not only just everybody locked in, but everybody rooting for the same person. That that That's what strikes me. You had guys hitting shots in the water like on 12. Molinari and, and Finau have terrible shots, and the crowd just roaring, clearly all in unison. It was basically a home game for Tiger Woods. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty incredible and you you know usually when any athlete or team is at the top of their sport there's no usually they're the villain and everybody wants you know like a patriot or the i don't know if you'd really throw the warriors in that category but you know there's always Mm -hmm. the haters out there that are against them but i think everybody also likes a redemption story too so i think that's probably part of the reason why i think everybody's on the side of tiger and just the fact of witness greatness on top of it yeah that's definitely a large part of it i think tiger getting knocked off of his perch brought bringing him down to earth i know a lot of those wounds were self-inflicted but the guy battled unbelievably to get back to where he he is even after that PGA championship that you were at last year in St. Louis, where he had the best final major round of his life, still came up short to Kepka. We were amazed by it. We were, you know, enthused by it. But a lot of people, myself included, thought maybe this might have been his best last shot. It was hard to envision him playing better than he did, especially coming on in the PGA championship. But there was Tiger Sunday tracking guys down. First time he's ever won a major from behind on the final day. It was a complete performance from a guy that has a lot of health issues, couldn't even really get out of bed a year ago. It's something that I honestly was dead wrong on, did not think I'd ever see again. Yeah, I would would say the one thing, though, on the PGA and just last year, I think just kind of what you talk about, though, like how the condition he was in and how bad it was. He couldn't even walk for a while. I think that was one thing that gave people a lot of hope that if he was able to compete that quickly, you know, who knows what would happen this year. But I think the biggest question mark was if he could stay healthy going into this year, you know, he played a lot of golf last year in a short amount of time. So it was, could his body withstand it, but you know, it it looked like the skill was there last year and it was slowly coming back though. I still, I, I guess I still had my doubts that he could put together four rounds with, you know, his back issues. Even that PGA tournament, he struggled a little bit. And, and the great final round, I mean, it was incredible. But what he did at the Masters and how he did it, 
I thought we saw a lot out of Tiger. He was just bombing it off the tee. But also, even when he got that lead, especially, was pretty smart out there. You know, there was the, I think it was the 15th hole, 14th or 15th, where he just played it safe. I don't know that we see young Tiger, you know, not just try to rely yeah. on his gifts to just lay up. Yeah, like I, I thought that was really a cool part of the weekend was kind of, it was almost like a transformation for him because vintage Tiger, I mean, it was, he was bombing it. 40 to 50 yards further than anybody else. But I mean, there were some holes this week and he had drive route and he was 20, 30 yards behind people. So it wasn't just, he was just so much stronger and could hit the ball. You know, he was so long off the tee. It was, it was more of a skill finesse thing for him. I do want to ask you just quickly, if you think that Molinari, who's won a major beat tiger down the stretch last year in the British open, do you think the moment got to him? Was that just him crumbling a little bit, or, or could it be just a bad round of golf? Guys do have bad days and, and make mistakes in key moments. So yeah, it's a little of that. Yeah, it's tough to judge because I mean he beat him heads up in the Ryder Cup. He beat him last year at the Open, so it's kind of hard to say that he crumbled here because Tiger was just in, in a good of a position at the Open last year. Molinari's just been almost like methodical. I mean, that guy, it looked like nothing could phase him. And there were a lot of guys that went in the water on, I can't remember what the exact hole was, but the, the par three. Mm-hmm. But I think that really kind of rattled him. And I don't know, it's hard for me to say it was Tiger just because he's beat him heads up, you know, yeah. before. So it's kind of hard to blame that. But, I mean, that guy, beginning of the day, it looked like he wasn't going to waver. I mean, he just was stone cold, you know, stoic out there. Yeah, he really was. And another thing that made this moment so special in my mind was that Tiger beat the best. He beat the next generation of guys, guys that looked up to him and guys that, like Kepka or even Finau, probably wouldn't have been even golfers if it wasn't for Tiger Woods. You know, they're more athletes than the traditional golf model in that Tiger Woods mold, but he beat the best. It wasn't like it was a terrible round. It was a terrible field. Everybody just kind of got thrown out of whack. I think it was like eight of the top eight of the top 10 were in the top 15, something like that. So it wasn't like Tiger went through scrubs to win the title. Yeah. I, I thought that was kind of one of the more impressive parts of it. Cause you know, Tiger back in the day, it was, it was a weak field. It was pretty much Tiger, Phil, and then now everybody's talking about how strong the game is. And you look at that leaderboard on Sunday, you had Kepka up there, Fina, Molinari, you had Dustin Johnson making a run, you had Ricky Fowler making a run. And it wasn't like people were just, you know, like you said, no one was playing bad. Those guys were making a Sunday charge. So he knew the pressure was on, and he still was able to overcome it and kind of beat that new crop of, you know, superstar golfers. He was. And one guy I do want to give a shout-out and credit to is Kepka, because he's someone that clearly won't wilt under the pressure. He, he kept the heat on even when Tiger looked like he had it comfortably. I mean, I, I look at him playing and, and his big power game and his playing big moments, and I see a guy that's going to win a lot more majors. I don't want to cap the number, but I'd say it's probably between like six and eight or so. I really believe that. <laughs> Yeah, and I think he may not win a tournament outside of a major, though. He just doesn't seem to care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a cool. It's kind of a cool thing to say, like whatever. I just want to win the majors, but he was right there, and he's somebody that I think is going to be, you know, in the hunt for a lot of these majors. Also, somebody that was very respectful after gave Tiger a hug after, um, similar to how Tiger greeted him after he won his major last year. 
But I did think, though, it was a little odd, to say the least, about them moving the golf up. It was weird to see them golf so early in the day and then also not in pairs and in, in threesomes. It felt like just a lot was going on on pretty much all the same holes. That was my viewing standpoint of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the leaderboard was just all over the place because you had just everybody played at once on a Sunday and such a condensed group with the three-man group. So, yeah, it was. It was a lot going on at one time, it seemed like, I agree. Yeah, and it also felt like, and this is my favorite part about a golf major, especially on the last day, is we don't really compare, we don't really pay attention to the second page in the leaderboard, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this guy, Ricky Fowler, just birdied six straight holes, or, you know, here comes Cantley, or whatever his name was. The yeah, Cantley just came out of nowhere, <laughs> just took the lead. <laughs> no one's paying attention, he's like five holes in front, but he's birdieing every hole. That part's pretty cool, you know. And I think, like we all, if we don't all want Tiger to win, especially this one, if we all don't want him to win, I think it's fair to say that all golf fans want him in the mix because it adds to the drama, and they want a tight leaderboard on Sunday, which is what we got. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing you were saying earlier. I mean, I I wonder if Tiger had a completely different approach on eighteen if. Kepka makes that putt because I don't know. I don't think he plays that safe was, and just kind of lays up. That was almost too conservative, right? Like it was a little, it was a little dicey after the first couple shots. So I, I agree with you there because I, I think he had to know. He had to know that Kepka missed that putt. There's no other way he plays it. Yeah. No, he said he did, and that's why he kind of he said he knew that branch was in the way, so just kind of playing it safe and wanted to put it behind. He just didn't want to go in the bunker. So it just it would have made for so much more drama if you know he had to par the hole. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy too. I mean, we keep forgetting that they don't. The crowd doesn't have any phones at the Masters, so they are reacting in real time to what they see yeah. on the leaderboard. Like well behind the general public, they have no idea unless you're actually on the hole. One other part I thought was pretty cool and kind of you know, really depict the new Tiger too was all the guys waiting for him after the round was over, especially the young guys congratulating them. I mean, I bet out of the 14 majors he won prior, that never happened once. <laughs> yeah, the closest he might get is a handshake from uh, the guy he beat who's just waiting to see him finish. But, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it definitely, and that's part of this I wanted to talk about, still on the money, Mitch Effect with Tyler Tesson, is that he, Tiger Woods in the in the Masters this year, it was more about the journey from, I think, just picking up the pieces of his life. I mean, his golf game had a lot to, to to do with that, clearly. But he's somebody that had been through a lot. We like a good redemption story in this country. And I think it's fair to say that sometimes what he did wrong, obviously stepping out on his marriage, is not good. But it doesn't necessarily make him the worst person in the world. And I think that's kind of what we needed to remember a little bit, that it's a human being like the rest of us. He made mistakes, but... You know, he obviously paid for him in a lot of different ways, but I think it was good to just see a new, more mature Tiger and someone that I think it's clear as day, Tyler, is just way more likable than he used to be. Yeah, absolutely. I, You know, he just looks like he's having fun out there. He's talking to people he's playing with, and I thought that was just obvious by, like, all the guys, want, you know, waiting for him at the end. It sounds like there's a lot of friendships there, too. So, yeah, it, I think he's definitely evolved, and I think he just – appreciates the game a lot more and kind of the journey involved and kind of enjoying being in the moment. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago when he saw the guy with the picture of his mugshot, he probably doesn't react as uh, kindly as he did. 
this time around. It was like 15 years ago. Yeah. I don't think he'd like it as much. But no, I uh, nah. and the stuff with his family was awesome too. You really started to see the circle of life. Him celebrating with his kids, his son and his daughter, and his seeing his mom there was cool. I do think that part of it to his age. I mean, we can talk about how much Tiger has left, but he's in his 40s now, 43, going to be 44 this year. Even the great Tiger Woods, any athlete sees their mortality as an athlete, and I think that's kind of given him perspective, too. He's not going to do this forever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think he knows he, he could potentially be one injury away from never swinging a golf club again with how bad his back is. So, you know, that's always got to be in the back of his mind. Well, and I would ask you that because a good way to wrap this is he wins his, his, wins his fifth Masters, his 15th major. He's definitely, I think, eighth or ninth all-time oldest major champion winner. You wonder how many years he has left, but you know he's going into the PGA as a favorite. The U.S. Open probably at a favor close to it, both places where he's won majors before. Is it realistic now? Is the chase for Jack Nicholas's 18 major record, uh, is that back on? I think he's got to win one more this year for him to be in real true contention for it. And a lot of the courses, you know, for the last three majors really bode well for him too. So I think if he can get one more, get to 16 by the end of the year, I, I think he's got a good shot at doing it. That's a good point just because it's not going to line up as well for him probably ever again as, as this year. And I think health is the biggest thing. I think – skill-wise for how great a shape he's in and how golfers are evolving you know like you know take somebody like phil he's still in good shape back in the day there's no way he would be playing the way he is at this age so i think he still has three to four years of really good golf in front of him but i think it all is just going to come down to health for him yeah i don't want to rain on everybody's parade but the one thing i would worry about is as you said health and also now what he did, one of the greatest comebacks in sports history, maybe even the greatest. His, I mean, there, he could go off into the sunset at any time, and everybody would be like, okay, we understand it. You did all you needed to do and more. So I don't know if he's really chasing it. That might be part of the new Tiger as well. Like he's going to give it his best effort, but he's not thinking, you know, if he doesn't win a major this year, am I going to prolong my career long enough to catch that record? Yeah. Look uh, how competitive he is. I. <laughs> I feel like he's got to have that in his sight. So yeah. I feel like he's always, that's his one goal is to break that record. So yeah, maybe we'll see. if he gets to 16 this year, I'm like, okay, I'm in for at least three, four full years for sure. Cause you're, cause you're just a couple at way at that point. But yeah, I mean, yeah. It's incredible. I mean, if he's in, if he's in contention for everyone this year, that'll be pretty amazing. You know, that'll be what six in a row that he's kind of had a shot to win. Yeah, and I really do like this new schedule for Tiger's chances, like the PGA being in May now. You're just major season, so he has to get ready for these four months, three more to go, and I think that bodes well for him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was, a great, it was great. It was historic to watch Tiger Woods win the Masters, his fifth, 15th major. I do want to get your thoughts, Tyler, on some hockey note, news and notes. The playoffs going crazy right now, and the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is were you prepared to see Alex Ovechkin just murder someone last night? <laughs> That's probably my favorite moment of the playoffs. I mean, he, kill, he killed him. That was, and and you got to also put in the perspective of that was a Russian kid that's probably idolized him. He's 19 years old, 
And he did ask him to fight. He stood up for himself, but not the smartest move, but I'll give him props for that. But, oh, man, Ovi just put him down pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, he must be frustrated to go to, you know, to fight somebody like that in the playoffs. I mean, that was just, you know. But maybe that'll get the team going. You never know. But that's a risky move when you're the best, one of the best players in the world. Uh, risk breaking your hand or finger or, you know, or even if, you know, he got one punched. Oh, you never bad. know what can happen. It was bad. I think it's been pretty fun in the playoffs. The Capitals are a team that even with that loss, I still think they're in pretty good shape. Um, with Tampa Bay, I mean, we're recording this. Columbus is up in the third period right now. Um, if they go out like this, this is – and not only that, if they go out to a Columbus team and they get swept as having the best record, tied for the best record in regular season NHL history, this is one of those collapses. It's kind of in that Vancouver range where I don't know if you ever really fully recover from this. Yeah, they. I mean, they're just one of those teams who they've been so close so many times and it's, they just can't quite figure out how to get over the hump to win the cup. But, yeah, this – this one would just be absolutely devastating. I think everybody was in agreement they were the way overall favorite to win the cup this year, you know, going into the playoffs. So, man, it's just, it would be devastating for them. I think there were something around plus 125 total just to win the Stanley Cup, which is insane to be a favorite. At that <laughs> yeah. And they might not win a yeah. playoff game. Um, the other thing I wanted to, wanted to really pick your brain about was your thoughts on Kadri for Toronto because he's not going to play against Boston again. And we've seen pests or people that kind of stir the drink and, and have a role and, and excel at it at Kadri's level. But it's almost like this kid doesn't know what a stop sign is because every time he puts himself into this position, he takes it too far and then he gets suspended for a long length of time. Yeah, and, you know, in the playoffs, you put your team in a terrible position too. I mean, going to the box and putting another team on the power play, that one goal could be difference between moving on. But, you know, guys like him, playoffs is where they excel. They get under under the other team's skin and makes them make stupid plays or take stupid penalties though. That's kind of the beauty of what they do. But yeah, I agree. It's, you know, you got to put it in perspective at some point where, you got to tone it down a little bit to put the team first. Yeah, I, I just love this time of year because you get chaos, you get unpre- unpredicted upsets. The Islanders are another team that's a period away as we record this from sweeping the Penguins. So we could have Pittsburgh and, and Tampa Bay out without winning a game in the playoffs. You just never know what you're going to get. And I look, especially at the Western Conference, Tyler, where you know the Blues are up on Winnipeg 2-1. You have Calgary uh, down to Colorado, Nashville, and Dallas are in, a, are in a tough one as well. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly. It wouldn't surprise me if any of those eight teams made the finals. I just, I, I, yeah. The, there's a lot of good teams, no great teams in the West, and I honestly think any one of them could make it. Yeah, I mean, look at how bad the, our, I mean, the Flames that game one. It looked like that series could be a sweep with, you know, they just dominated. And then now, you know, they're down two to one. So it just tells you just how quickly momentum shifts. And, yeah, there's a lot of parity in the West. I mean, yeah, any team could win. I could see a lot of those series going seven games. Yeah, and also Colorado, I I just want to point out, every year I feel like we forget how good McKinnon is. Like, that's a top five talent in the NHL. 
And every time in April, it's like, wow, he has scored another highlight real goal in the playoffs. He just, I don't think he gets the respect that his peers get. He got kind of overshadowed by the McDavid and Matthews drafts. Yeah, and I, you know, I think the one thing that can help put him on the map is if they end up making a deep run and he puts up some big points. I, you know, that's usually how superstars become superstars because that's when everybody's watching. Yeah, it sure is. And how about how about quickly Cole McCarr, that defenseman for the Avalanche, who was playing college hockey three days ago, scored a goal in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's pretty. <laughs> yeah. Pretty insane. Pretty crazy how quickly life can change for you. And he's running their power play. I mean, he came in from the Frozen Four to run a power play in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's pretty nuts. But, you know, I think uh, I think when I, when I do think of playoff hockey, I think of the very physical series like the Blues and the Jets. And I also think of, you know, this Vegas, San Jose, where these teams just hate each other. I mean, every, every day there's a new quote in the media between Thornton, Ryan Reeves, Evander Kane. I mean, this is just all out war, and that's what what it is and what it has to be to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, that was another great fight in the playoffs with Reeves the other night. <laughs> I the, the back and forth was great where Thornton, talking about that fight, said something along the lines of like, wow, he got hit by a 30-goal scorer, better luck next time. And Reeves called Thornton blind because he couldn't, you know, old and blind because he didn't see that that hit was a problem that got him suspended. Uh, so I, I just, I mean, I love this time of year for a lot of reasons, but especially when you see a game end the way t- Toronto and Boston ended where Mitch Marner's diving face first into shots to block them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think uh, Pittsburgh makes any drastic changes in the offseason if they get swept? Yeah, I'll say that I think that this is the end of Kessel and Pittsburgh. That's the limb I'm going to go on. I think he almost got traded last year. They go out poorly this year. I think he's the the obvious piece that goes. They like Gensel in the future. Crosby and Malkin are pretty much lifers. I think that's the place. And honestly, Latang looks like he's lost a little bit of a step too, whether it's injuries and age. So I think they got to adjust their back line as well. Yeah. Yeah, that one, that one, and Tampa are going to be really interesting to see what happens. I mean, Tampa, Tampa is even scarier because it's their top guys, but they're not getting anything from. I mean, Stamkos scored tonight. Kucherov has been a ghost out there. I, they, they have to. I mean, that's that's their top guys, and that's the that's the worrisome thing when your core is when your top six core is letting you down. Yeah, yeah, those are the guys you got to lean on when it comes to playoff time, and it's the guys they've leaned on all year. So, I don't know, maybe they've got some injuries that happen later in the year, or you never know. But yeah, I don't understand how you can tie the NHL record and then go out in four games. <laughs> yeah, I don't, that, that's. I mean, losing a series is one thing, but th- this is just. I mean, especially game two where you just get embarrassed on your home ice and necessarily a must-win game. Hey, Tyler, before I let you go, this was a fun chat, but I wanted to, to get your thoughts on you know the coaching moves. Basically, the Panthers dunking on everybody by hiring Quinville and then just a bunch of retreads getting hired throughout the rest of the league so far. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody knew Quinville was going to be the hot item on the market. So I think, hey, Florida was smart. They just went after it, but that's a big payday for a coach. And, you know, we'll, we'll see if it works out for him, but – your Quinville, why not finish your career and just enjoy it on the beach in Florida? Yeah, I, I, uh, I think that the one guy that he's going to target, they're going to target hard, is Panarin. If he really wants to get to a bigger market and play for a coach he loves, I think that's somebody that they're going to go after. 
hopefully not for a while, though. Hopefully this playoff run keeps going for Columbus. <laughs> but McClellan just got hired by the Kings, and Vignolet got hired by the Flyers. I mean, these guys have coached half the teams in the league by now. Yeah, it's turning into the NBA. It's just <laughs> musical chairs in the NHL. Yeah, I don't think you'd see. I mean, I don't. In the NBA, I think they have trouble actually coaching the players. But, yeah, <laughs> I see what you're saying. But this is a fun time of year for sure. And, uh, you know, we'll just see what happens. But, Tyler, appreciate you coming on, talking a little golf, Tiger Woods, and some hockey. And uh, we'll have to have you back soon on the Money Mitch Effect. Yep, thanks for having me, Mitch. Appreciate it. Huge thanks to both guests, Tom Weisenbach and Tyler Tesson, for appearing on today's show. I just want to say one thing in particular about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am a Blue Jackets fan. That team came around when I was about 11 or 12 years old. And I don't think the, that most people in the uh, national sense understand just how big of a laughing stock they were at the first time they came out. It took eight years for this franchise to make the playoffs. Eight years. And they got swept by Detroit. And then it was another four or five years of not doing much of anything. The fans have been loyal. The people in the new regime have been working diligently to make this happen. If you watched game four, game three and four, all of it, you saw a hockey market. You saw a fan base that was passionate. So props to the Blue Jackets. Can't wait to see how far they take this. They have really done a great job revamping their team. The fans have stayed passionate and loyal. It is a fun thing to see. But this was the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again for listening. Catch all the episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. The Money Mitch Effect Facebook page is always bumping. And follow me on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21. And if you like tequila, I think it's a good idea to maybe do a victory shot if you're of age. If your team wins in the playoffs, just send some good vibes out there. Just an idea. But this was the Money Mitch Effect. I am Mitch Michaels. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, keep enjoying sports.